we're back. Another episode of Talking Maiden. The podcast of the beast. Yes, the podcast of the spear ribs. <laughs> of the early beast. Of the early beast. Yeah, the of podcast the, of the history of the beast. The birth. The birth of the beast. The birth of the beast. So we're into the second version. So last time... Part two. Part right. two. We started from... We started um, from Harris's Steve Harris puberty, messing around in room with his with his friends. with his with his instrument. Right, Steve was <laughs> a young man playing around, experimenting with his instrument, and uh, then he got a bass. Yeah, and then <laughs> and then he went on to. Uh, it's kind of weird. <laughs> we're talking about it that way, and he he went on to form, uh, you know, influence, which turns into Gypsy, Gypsy Kiss, Kiss Smiler, and then Smiler. And then basically a band that got named Iron Maiden, and then became the early Iron Maiden that played the Garden Horses. So when we dropped it off, when we left off, their first singer, Paul Mario Day, was just kicked out of the band. Just kicked out of the band. And then we stopped. So that's where we're going to pick it up. Just as they were about to make a big 40 First, you have some beers that explain how these beers got to us. So... um, I've had these now a little while, but I've been back now a couple of weeks, but uh, I was in Cuba. Yeah, I'll listen back on the podcast. I screwed up some of the well, the posts went good, but I had to back post a few of my beer videos. So oh, I kind of sorry. messed up with some stuff. That's why people <laughs> saw that. Um, but uh, yeah, these are basically the two dominant beers in Cuba. One is uh, Cristal, and the other one is uh, Bucanero. Now, Bucanero. I think yeah. we do both in the same guy. Oh yeah, because sure. they're both like this. The, I I would argue they're they're different companies. Although I, I'm pretty sure they're both like you know it's Cuba. They're both basically publicly owned. Indirectly. Beers of the party. Beers of the people. <laughs> you know what? I've, like, I can't go in this and not talk about it. I, I drank, <laughs> like, you know, I was, like, getting shot with a machine gun with these bullets. Like, they're good. They're yeah. really good. They're, like, way better than a, I think they're better than a Coors Light. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Uh, they're just a really good sun beer. Now, yeah. also, someone said to me, you know, I was like, man, these are really good beers. And then the person looked at me and he was like, you'd drink cold piss down here, wouldn't you? That's true. I was true. like, oh, you're right. Like, I'm literally at the coolest place in the world. I'm like, oh, even the beer's good here. I remember being in Jamaica and sitting on the beach and sitting under these, like, like yeah. there were some kind of wild grape trees. It's like yeah. this half shade. It was like 30 degrees. Smoking a Trudeau. <laughs> the cool breeze, like, yeah. and watching the kids, like, splash in the waves. Yeah. And then every, like, 45 minutes, half an hour, someone with a tray comes by and asks if you want, like, a drink. Yeah. And I was drinking these like plastic cups of, I guess it tastes kind of like Corona. That's right. But they're cold. And I remember sitting there and being like, oh, this is the best beer I've had in my life. Yeah. <laughs> and it's probably the exact same thing. It's, it's totally. Setting. And yeah, yeah, exactly. If someone brought me, you yeah. know, if it was half piss, half beer, I'd be uh, like, oh, this is the best. Uh, no, it's like, it's like being on a date with someone who's super hot. And you're like, oh, they're so interesting. <laughs> We've all been there. Um, <laughs> it's so true though. But they're, but they're both good beers. Although they're admit, admittedly better on tap. Okay. So uh, let's start with much. this Buccaneero. This yeah. can is cool. It's a black and red can. Actually, I suggest is we have two Buccaneeros and one Cristal. Okay. Uh, because the other one busts it in the luggage. Okay. Uh, let's start with the Cristal. Start with the Cristal? Because this yeah. one says Fuerte, which means strong. So Ooh, 5. this 4. one's light. Yeah. But it's a half a beer. What do you yeah. want to do? Okay, let's, we'll power through that Cristal. We'll power through the Cristal. Okay. This is a double beer talking beat. Yep. Episode Talking Maiden Podcast of the Yeast. Right. Hit the clip. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. Oh, nice. These you can tell they're authentic too because there was like a bit of sand. <laughs> 
So you brought two of these back and one broke open in your suitcase. One busted open the suitcase. And how did they make a mess? Yeah. And uh, see, I put mine in zip when I. I always put mine in Ziploc bags and then wrap them in laundry. Yeah, right, right. So you can preserve the original can for your collection. <laughs> no, it's just so that they break. The beer is contained in a Ziploc bag and it doesn't get your suitcase wet. I'm going to give you a little tip. Okay. <laughs> My clothes that came back from Cuba, if you poured beer on it, you would only make it cleaner. <laughs> Seriously. It was a good trip. So this is called Crystal. Oh, God. I'm back there. Can I bring you back? Oh, man. So I stayed at this awesome all-inclusive, all uh, the Royal Hikakos in uh, Veradero. That's my third time in Cuba. I like it in Cuba because I, I smoke cigars. I'm a huge supporter of communism, as you can tell. <laughs> no, communism is great for me because I'm super rich there. Yeah, right. <laughs> That's all I love about it. <laughs> all my friends are like, communism is all right. I'm like, yeah, I go and enjoy their poverty all the time. Now, they're good people. They yeah. have decent food. Yeah. Uh, amazing weather, amazing beaches. Um, anyway, uh, yeah. It was, That's good. Uh, it's really crisp Cuba. and refreshing. Yeah. So, yeah, good beer. Good beer. We get back into the meeting. Good times, good company. Yeah, I know what you mean, though, when you taste a beer and then you're like... Ah, oh, now you're right back. back there. Yeah. But you know what? I listen to uh, a lot of the podcasts and other podcasts. Yep. I just loaded up podcasts on the beach. Everyone was like, oh, when I'm a... Well, you know, the ladies are like, when I'm down here, I can read like 10 books. I'm like, Ugh. Yeah, I'm, <laughs> I've been listening to podcasts all week. It's awesome. And drinking. Uninterrupted. You know? Exactly. <laughs> Go on. So where are we at now? So where are so, we starting today? So we're in 1976. The first singer, Paul Mario Day. Oh, first of all, if you're jumping into this podcast, you should probably go back and listen to the one before this. Yeah. Because we did all the lead up to what's happening right now. But I'm, I'm jumping right back into it. Yeah, but this is kind of a different era. I would say go back and listen to the first one before you listen to this one. Part one. Because this is part two. But people will probably figure that out. I don't know. Yeah. Um, so to replace Paul Mario Day, he's out of the band. He's out of the band. Sorry, Paul. He wasn't, you know, flashy enough. He wasn't enough of a showman for the front, as a good enough front mm-hmm. man. Steve Harris wanted someone that could, like, really be a good front man. So he gets Dennis Wilcock. And you remember he was in a band with uh, Steve Harris. Yes, earlier, Smiler. Right? Yeah. Yeah. So Wilcock loved Kiss and Alice Cooper and that kind of theatrical type of rock. He used to use, like, blood capsules on stage. When they did Iron Maiden... You know that part about, like, watch the blood yeah. flow? Like, he used to take fake blood capsules, and he used to, like, run a sword across his, like, mouth, and, like, blood would all come out of his mouth. Nice. He used to do, like, theatrical stuff. Um, I've seen a picture of him before on stage, too, with a Viking helmet on. So he was kind of bringing that theatrics up a level. And he had this, like, before Eddie, they had this character called the Prowler. It was this mask that... It looked kind of like a creepy old man. Actually, th- I know people at home can't see this, but there's a picture of, uh, I'm showing Josh, of Dennis Wilcock uh, when he was in Maiden. With He's got some face paint on. He's got blood coming out of his mouth and a soreness. Yeah, for all our listeners out there, I'm looking at the picture. <laughs> <laughs> and I also have a picture here. I know this is really great. I got to describe it. I got awesome. to be like, and this picture has a knife. And I'm like, <gasps> i know podcasting i'm showing pictures on the podcast so this is a picture of the mask this is the prowler so this is a character it was like a walk-on character kind of how they have a walk-on eddie but it was the prowler and when they did prowler he used to put this mask on and like i think he used to pretend to bite steve harris on the neck or something while he was playing okay he kind of looks like an old man yeah it's like a creepy old man character but prowler is kind of about a creepy guy creepy so. old man about a creep yeah yeah, yeah. um <laughs> the first eddie was a, a pedo 
<laughs> exhibitionist. Exhibitionist. So, yeah, flashing used to be a thing that went away. Yeah, and streaking yeah, too. Now, now you just SMS it, I guess. Or you just on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's called a yeah sending. What do you call it when you send nudes on text? Sexting. Sexting. Yeah, <laughs> I'm so old. <laughs> yeah, I know. So anyway, they're into this theatrical thing. Dennis Wilcock brings like the blood and the face paint and mm-hmm. this character to the stage. This is from the Curtain Horses website. It says, Iron Maiden's first use of pyrotechnics was on the 5th of November, 1976, at the cart, and they earned seventeen fifty for their efforts. Songs like Iron Maiden, Prowler, Wrathchild, Transylvania, and Highway Road in Time were also being performed. Nice. So, they mentioned the song Highway Road in Time. And so I had to try to figure out what the song was all about. Yeah. Um, I read references to an interview with Nico where he says that that song eventually turned into Blackbird Blues. Okay. But I couldn't actually find the actual interview. I just heard, like, references, people referring to this interview, but I couldn't find it. This also was years before Nico had anything to do with the band, so I don't know if he really knows what he's talking about. It's kind of this lost mystery song. Wow. So Dennis Wilcock invites... Dave Murray into the band because they used to be in an old band called Warlock together. So then they had three guitarists. Um, so you read interviews with Steve Harris um, from back when Yannick came into the band mm. and Bruce came back. Not when Yannick came into the band, when Adrian came back to the band with Bruce. And everyone asks him about the three guitarists. And he always references a period when Iron Maiden had three guitarists. Yeah. This is what he's talking about wow. when Dave joined and Rance and Sullivan were still in the band. So Dave Murray joins the band, and he's, like, amazing on another level. And he kind of clashes with Rance and Sullivan. They're kind of two buddies who've been in bands together. And this new guy comes in. (laughs) They're like, why is he always smiling at us? (laughs) (laughs) And he's kind of like, I think they were kind of like, we're not going to be, they're kind of insulted that they're like, we have this hotshot guitarist coming in the band, and the two of us are whatever. And not only that, like, you know, they're like, Biting blood pellets and you know, cool. Now that's the lead singer, but I mean, and then Dave Murray back then literally looked like he was six years old. (laughs) (laughs) But Steve Steve Harris pretty much realizes Dave Murray's amazing. So Rance and Sullivan they both leave because they're like, we're not doing this. Yeah. Um. So Rance and Sullivan are out. Uh, They played their last gig November ninth, nineteen seventy six, at the Curtain Horses. So that's the last time Terry Rance and Dave Sullivan played with Iron Maiden. So now they're down to just Dave Murray. So at the end of 1976, Iron Maiden is Steve Harris, Dennis Wilcock on vocals, Ron Rebel Matthews on drums, and Dave Murray as the lone guitar player. So I have a clip. This is from this period of Maiden as a four-piece with Dennis Wilcock in early That's, that's the earliest clip I could find. I think that's the end of 1976 or early 1977. Wow. wow. So, like, these clips are scattered all over the internet. 
And yeah. you have to do a lot of work to track them down and find out where they come in the timeline. It's yeah, very time-consuming. And I've read a few people who dated this clip, but I'm pretty sure this is the four-piece from this era. Yeah. When Dave Marie is the sole guitarist. Wow. Can we hear the full clip? Uh, yeah, it's a bootleg. I suppose we could play it.
Adrian Trump Morella. And there he is over there with a black t-shirt, smiling. Yeah, so at the end there, there's some Hattie, I don't know if we'll cut it out because yeah. it doesn't sound too great. You can't hear what they're saying. That's awesome, though. The song is there. It's just as recorded yeah. horribly. Well, the thing it, yeah. about that clip is it's really early Maiden. Yeah. Dennis Wilcock, you finally get to hear what he sounds like yeah. as a lead singer. Dave Murray's, even at this point, he's like, you know, yeah. 76, 77, whenever this was. Yeah. He's amazing. Yeah, sort of like, like 20, 20 21 at this yeah, they're, yeah. yeah. The songs, they're playing them a little bit slower. Yeah. Like, you know what I mean? They're just playing them like a tiny bit slower than we're accustomed to. And that song hasn't really changed over like 40 something years. Wow. And it's kind of shows, you know how you, there's a lot of bands where you hear them play a song and you can hear the song kind of change over the, you know what I mean? Yeah. Like those early versions. Yeah. It just kind of shows already that they're kind of writing songs, finishing them, and then they're done and then they start playing them live. Yeah. They're not kind of like changing. Yeah, and that's it's that also changes the debate. It, you know, is this Maiden? That's Maiden. Oh yeah, totally. Like that's Maiden. Yeah. Right? Well, that's, that's Dave Dave Murray yeah. and Steve Harris. And it's ironic too. The Prowler is the first recording you can find. I yeah, mean, it's the first studio. So yeah, it's like really interesting. So I think yeah, that's the it's only interesting people in this yeah. band that are currently in Maiden. Yeah, Steve yeah. Harris and Dave Murray, and you know, but I mean, Steve Harris is what makes Iron Maiden. Yeah, and he writes these songs. And I mean, you're just hearing Steve Harris's songwriting. Yeah, how he got away with, you know, getting royalties on that and keeping these guys off, I guess it's because he registered the band and these were his tunes. And, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's awesome. I got to say, it's a good find. Yeah, it's pretty cool. Well done, Nesbitt. Yeah. Gets in a clip. <laughs> gets in a clip where there were no 70, clips. I think that's late 76 or early 77. Yeah. I think maybe early 77. Yeah. Um. So that's a, yeah, that's a pretty early and rare clip. Oh, man. Just celebrate that clip. I think we should have another beer. Okay, let's do it. This is because we only split. A, a right, half we did a, a half beer I mean, each. Yeah, I'll be honest with you. I had like three of those cans before breakfast. <laughs> no, I didn't. Oh, Cuba, Josh, you would have loved breakfast them. beers. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> those were breakfast beers. This is uh, the Buccaneer. The Buccaneer, which has a very cool can. Yeah. Fuerte. That means strong. Yeah, cerveza. That means beer. Yeah. Five point four percent. Yeah. All right, let's do it. Oh, should I play the clip again, or should we just... Uh... Yeah, play the clip. Okay. Do not spend your time worrying about those wasted beers. All right. All right, so the Buccaneero. Buccaneero. Mm. That's good. It's either just really good sun beers. Yeah. Yeah. With hilarious commercials. I'm going to try and oh, yeah. force Nesbitt to put a funny clip in somewhere <laughs> in here of their hilarious commercials. For a Bucanero? Yeah. We're, we're like, you know, old people drink them and they become hot young Spanish people. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah. Where were we? Okay. So, Clipped we are, it. we just played that clip. Awesome clip. So, they, they're down to one guitar player. Mm-hmm. And that's Dave Murray right now. So, for a second guitarist, they get Bob Sawyer. Ah. So, he go, went by Rob Angelo at the time. Or Rob Angelo Sawyer. He just put out a book, and his name on the book is Bob Angelo Sawyer. So I'm going to call him... That's what I'm going to call him. Yeah. Because that's what he goes by now. His book is actually... We talked about it many episodes ago when I first got the book. It's a pretty cool book. Um, he went on to be in Praying Mantis, too. And he has a lot of stories of like this era of Maiden. Yeah. And even when he was in Praying Mantis, they toured with Maiden. So he has a lot of like old Maiden stories. His book's totally worth picking up if people have seen it and they're wondering. Yeah. Um. 
So Bob Angelo Sawyer comes into Maiden with Dave Murray. So now you have the two guitarists are Dave Murray and Bob Sawyer. You have Dennis Wilcock, Ron Rebel Matthews as the drummer, and Steve Harris on bass. How Bob Sawyer got in the band. So Dave Wilcock is driving in his car with Steve and Dave. They stop on the street and they see Bob Sawyer and they roll down the window and they yell out and ask him if he's in a band. And Sawyer says, two days later, I was in the band. What? Uh, how they, what did they just stop? Like, was he caring? They knew him. They knew him from being in bands. Yeah. And they saw him and they, so basically they pull up and roll the window down. And they're like, are you in a Ask him if you wanted to be Yeah, because that's the way it would have been back then, because it's not like you could you be like, hey, I checked your... email him, yeah. Yeah, it was on your Instagram page. Yeah. So they yeah. saw him. And here's some super obscure deep dive trivia. Yeah. It was at the intersection of Lee Valley Road and Seaward Stone Road in Chingford, Essex. Wow. <laughs> so if you live, or if you drive through that intersection, that's where Dave Wilcock yelled out of his car at Bob Angelo Sawyer and asked him if he wanted to be in the band. <laughs> cool. <laughs> A more obscure, super obscure. More obscure, super obscure. Do we have a track of them yelling that out? (laughs) No. (laughs) Jesus, I'm not impressed. We should make a uh, super detailed map of like all these little places that happened. Yeah, all these places the the church where they where Gypsy's kids had their first show, the talent show. (laughs) Interactive uh, map. The uh, we never did go see the uh, (gasps) lamppost. An interactive map, Walking Maiden. There you go. The walking tour <laughs> the of the walking beast. Walking tour of the beast. <laughs> I know. That'd be cool, actually. Oh God. I so <laughs> Bob Bob Angelo Sawyer comes into Maiden with Murray. He starts rehearsing for a week or so. Um he says they were rehearsing at the time in a trailer in a muddy field. He said it looked like the Battle of Psalm where they were rehearsing. <laughs> and uh I've read that from a few places too. They used to have this trailer in this like muddy field where they used yeah. to run extension cords or two and play. Um, he plays his first gig with Maiden, he says, at the Golden Lion Pub in London Colney. Um, it was actually in December 19th, 1976. Oh. So we're at the very end of 1976 now. I, so that song we were talking about, Highway Road in Time. Josh pauses his nose but quickens his pace. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, this is just a little side note. I found an interview with Rob Sawyer and he says, Highway Road in Time. Yeah, I remember it. It was the nearest Maiden ever did to a 12-bar. So I'm not sure exactly what it was. 12-bar blues. So it was like a bluesy song. But uh, that's still a mystery song. But that's another hint of what it sounded like. I am Blaze Bailey. You're listening to Talking Maiden, the podcast of the beast. Possibly the best podcast in the world. So now you're into 1977. January 1st, 1977, they play at the Carton Horses. If you look at the tour dates from that year, they're playing nonstop two or three times a week. Like, they're really just playing all the time. Um, Bob Sawyer's book, there's a bunch of funny stories about these early gigs. He has a bunch of, like, show-by-show stories where he says what happens at the shows. If you're into that era of Maiden, totally recommend the book. It's it's, uh, Iron Maiden and Praying Mantis, The Early Days by Rob Angelo Sawyer. It's a cool book. So, also from this book, at this point, he's like, Dave Lights was still there managing the stage show. They had a bubble machine and, like, a homemade dry ice machine. So, they're kind of like, that's all Dave Lights' you know, contribution. 
And Vic Villa was in place as the roadie at this point, too. And uh, it's cool when you read his book and you read all these these sh- accounts of shows at the Curtain Horses. After me and you mm-hmm. had a few like drunken nights at the Curtain Horses. Yeah. It's because you can totally picture it now. It's so cool. I know. Uh, yeah. The echoes in that place. If that building could talk, Nesbitt. <laughs> yeah. So at, at this point in the band, 1977, this is when Bob Sawyer says is when they got the call at the cart and horses about the other Iron Maiden band. And Steve went out and registered the name. So I mentioned that picture in the last episode because I was saying about who that old mm-hmm. older guy in the back of the picture is. So this is when that happened, according to Bob Sawyer. So that's 1977, beginning in 1977. Okay, unrelated... If you step sideways out of this, like, forget about the Maiden timeline. Mm. At this time, Bruce Dickinson. Samson. No, and four years later, he'd be in Maiden. Four years from here. Yeah. At this time, he's in a band called Speed. Oh, okay. Um, I think it's like his first serious band. He said he was in a band called Sticks too, but that was just kind of not a serious band. This band actually recorded, they recorded in 77. And it wasn't until 1980 that they released this. But this is a clip of Speed. And I think this is the first thing that Bruce Dickinson ever recorded. Close your eyes. Can you feel those lies creeping in your bones? Feel your hearts turn to stone. They don't care. They won't let your hair wag it down. So that's what, while we're talking about Maiden, this is what Bruce Dickinson's doing at this wow. time. Set in 1977. He, they record that. Or he's in this band. I think this might have been recorded in 77 or 78. I'm not sure. And it wasn't released till 1980, but this is the band that Bruce Dickinson's in at the point. Good recording and, and good guitar there, too. Yep. Well, they, well, they put a 7-inch out down the road. Oh, really? Yeah. So there's a speed 7-inch with Bruce Dickinson on it. Yep. And I think, I think that's the first thing he recorded. And so that you was a clip of don't it. have a copy. No, I don't. And it tears <laughs> you up inside. So 1976. So November 1976 to April 1977. Yeah. They're playing a ton of classics. So by this point, they have Prowler, Wrathchild, Another Life, Innocent Exile, Floating, which becomes Purgatory eventually, Drifter, Transylvania, Strange World, Charlotte the Harlot, Iron Maiden, Burning Ambition, Invasion, and Sanctuary. So I read another interview with Rob Angelo Sawyer uh, on LegacyProject.co.uk talking about he used to be in a band called Nitro before he was in Maiden. Yeah. And he says, Originally a three-piece with me on guitar and vocals, Kevin O'Brien on bass, and Kevin's brother-in-law on drums, we, we recorded a version of Sanctuary but we were not happy with the results. I decided that I wanted to concentrate on playing the guitar and we recruited Dennis Wilcock on vocals, Alan Warner and Vic Scott on drums. We recorded Sanctuary, among other tracks, as a five-piece at Curly Clayton Studios in December 1975. So Sanctuary was written by Rob Angelo Sawyer and he wrote and recorded it with his old band and brought it into Maiden. So... I also read that apparently when he left the band, Steve kind of took the song and compensated him for it when he oh, left the band. Nice. But uh, that's actually, yeah. He, I think he, they probably bought the rights 
Yeah, but to it. What's the writing credit on it? I can't. It, it, yeah, it's he not doesn't him. get no, no, it's not him. But he wrote it, and he actually recorded a version of it with in an old band called Nitro that he was in. Wow. So, and before Sanctuary, you said Invasion. That's Invaders. Is Invasion is not Invaders. No. Invasion is a different song. That was one of the songs that they recorded on the Soundhouse tapes. Yes, that's right. Yeah. We keep mentioning the song. Remember I said that song, Floating, which is an early version of Purgatory? Um, So I have a clip. This is a clip from 1977 of Maiden playing Floating. This is the song that would eventually become Purgatory. So that's the early version of Purgatory. It's like half yeah. the speed. Yeah, I'm gonna it give doesn't... I'm gonna give Paul the edge on that one. Yeah, <laughs> but it's cool to hear that's the song that eventually became Purgatory. So nice. it started as like kind of a slower, you know, groove thing or whatever. Around now, here is when Dennis Wilcock designed this. You know, this Iron Maiden. Have you ever seen the Iron Maiden logo? That's like bloody lips. Yeah. So this is when Dennis Wilcock designed this like bloody lips logo, and that combined with the Iron Maiden lettering logo. You know, the Iron Maiden font? Yep. Um, it looks pretty... It's pretty cool, but they didn't use it very much. They used it for a few, like, you know, advertisements and stuff yeah. to promote, like, shows. Yeah, I feel like we went through this, or maybe it was the earlier documentary, where it showed the various iterations, and then the mask in the back, and the... Yeah, yeah. but this is the more of the logo. So... Yeah. You read these interviews with Dennis Wilcock, and as much as, like, we don't, like... I don't want to get into, like, this whole lawsuit thing, because he's suing Iron Maiden. I don't know if... Is he still... I, apparently it's still ongoing. It really? Hasn't been resolved. He basically says he invented the logo for Iron Maiden. Mm. That's one of the things. I read an interview where he says he came up with the... He invented the Iron Maiden logo. Um, so he did invent that thing with the bloody lips. The actual Iron Maiden logo, the lettering logo, that everyone like loves that you see on a million t-shirts, Steve Harris says he created it. Uh, Dennis Wilcox says he created it. It's kind of more complicated than that. So that font, the let the letters are in, that existed in. It was on a poster from the 1976 film The Man Who Fell to Earth, starring. It's a David Bowie movie. He's like this movie poster predates the Maiden logo. Yeah, it's a movie at David David Bowie. He like comes to Earth because his planet. He's an alien and his planet's like running out of resources. And it's kind yeah. of a cool movie actually. If you're into David Bowie. You want to see like super skinny David Bowie? <laughs> yeah, back in the heroin days. Yeah. The there's also in 1976, Gordon Giltrap has an album named The Visionary that has that font or very very similar font. I found a message board where Gordon Giltrap posted a post, and he said, "Nico, their he said Nico, their drummer is an old friend. Also, he played on my '73 Giltrap album and almost joined the Gordon Giltrap band at one point, but we couldn't make it work." So, this it's this is just a totally unrelated tieback. Yeah. But it's funny because Nico played on a Gordon Giltrap album, and in '76 they had this album out that had this uh, the font, yeah, the font. Um, there's also a band called Steel Mill, and they had an album called Green Eyed God. And that's in 1972, and that yeah. has a very similar font. And do you know who Nana Muscuri is? No. She's uh, a... Oh, wait. 
Nana Muscuri? <laughs> uh, yeah, no. She has an album, Nana Muscuri, live at the Royal Albert Hall from 1974, and that has the Maiden font on it. Okay. So, the font was around beforehand. I read this blog by this guy, Ray Hollingsworth. He says, Worked on the original branding and logo for Iron Maiden in the summer of 1977 with the band. And he also says, the original logo design for Iron Maiden was created by Dennis Wilcock with assistance from myself at the Crows Art Studio, Rathborn Place, London, W1, sometime around September 1977. I clearly remember the as-off lettering arriving on a photo strip to be cut up and positioned to form the name style. I can even remember Dennis ordering the type and bringing it over to my desk. Dennis was Maiden's second vocalist, as far as I can make out, and he actually employed me as he was the studio manager at Crows. So Dennis Wilcock was working in a design studio, and he used this pre-existing font and just laid out the words in it. Yes. So that's a second independent person who says that Wilcock was involved in creating the Iron Maiden logo. Yeah, but if you use a name and a a font... So this is a whole thing. I was was glad that that we got here, because... The Macintosh computer took off because it's its ability to handle fonts and typefaces in computers that had like standard typefaces. Fonting and typefaces were so complex before and exactly what you're talking about. Like Yeah, they had to cut them and yeah, place them by hand. Yeah. Exactly. So if you were in a I, I, I can let's just have a thought experiment yep. here. If you're if you're anywhere doing anything to do with like clip art, musics, all that uh, you know, a cover for a band, you would have probably have like a file folder area of different fonts that you'd use in stencil layer over in whatever printing capacity you're using. And once that David Bowie thing was created, there was probably that became available. I don't know what the copyright on those was at the time, but they're out there then. Yeah. But he said he yeah. ordered it. So I guess he ordered it from somewhere that makes these yeah. lettering things. But imagine but basically your brand and putting yeah. it in a font that you buy. That's not intellectual property. But anyway, go on. But well, so David Wilcock, I think he did have a big I part in the logo. I want to testify in the trial. I want to get in there and be like, Dennis Wilcock, you lie. I think basically what happened is Steve Harris kind of liked this font. And where Dennis Wilcock worked in a design studio, yeah. I think he kind of like put it together. Mm-hmm. and But like directed by Steve Harris. Yeah. So, But he definitely was part of making the logo. It's way better than Times New Roman, which is what they were using <laughs> yeah. before. No, they before this they have in you know, all the joking. posters, yeah. they have this like gothic kind of font. Comic Sans? No. <laughs> <laughs> you can see it in some really, really old maiden show posters. Hmm. And it's like this weird gothic like old time it's like an old English hmm. font almost. And it's like it says Iron Maiden. And that's what they're using before they settled on this. Hmm. So anyway, this hmm. is around the same time. Yeah. We kind of got off on a tangent on the logo. But that's okay. It's made really. You're listening to Talking Calligraphy, the podcast of the scribe. <laughs> Break with the scrolls, Nesbitt. Continue. Anyway. Yeah. So Maiden, they're starting to like, they're packing pubs and shows. And they're really like starting to heavily promote themselves here. If you look at like flyers from that time and ads they put out for the shows, it says stuff like uh, Rock Kings of the East End. Um, I've got a bunch of them printed up here. Well, I'll just show you. I'll read these out because people at home can't see so this is one uh, i think this is from like a newspaper or, or magazine it says we break shake shock and rock we make the rest look average stock iron maiden live and alive at the carton horses stratford oh wow uh, there's another one here it says the one and only red hot visual energy rock band iron maiden carton horses stratford nice and there's another one here it says the only band we're seeing bleed shock and rock iron maiden at the carton horses 
Wow. So they're really like promoting themselves. It's not, uh, you know, they're not like, oh yeah, we're pretty good. We're, you know, what the 90s bands were like. <laughs> where they're like, I, we're in a rock band, but I kind of hate being in a rock band. And, yeah. You know what I mean? Because that, that kind of... That kind of annoys me a little bit. That's what I kind of love about hair metal. Is they're like, oh, I'm in a rock band. I'm a rock star. Yeah. And then when you get into the grunge stuff, it's like, yeah, I'm in my, I'm part of my heart and soul in these songs, but I hate that people like them because yeah, it's kind of like... Sometimes you got to lean it. into it, right? Yeah, I know. And that's yeah. why I kind of like these uh, posters. They're pretty... Yeah. I don't know. It, it's like every now and then, though, you hear about a band and they're like off the rails crazy. And then they're like, but the drummer, the bass player was totally normal. He was married the whole time. Didn't even do drugs. I'm like, you yeah. fucking like, wasted it. That's a gold. John Paul well, Jones. Exactly. That's, that was what I was referencing. <laughs> yeah. But I'm like, you wasted it. It was a golden ticket, man. I mean, I know. can you imagine being like, oh, thank God I didn't sleep with those 2,000 girls before STDs. On <laughs> yeah. airplanes doing cocaine with the guys. Yeah. I'm like, man, my God. Like Pre-age, pre-fentanyl. That's, that's like... That's like that's like 10 lotteries. Yeah. Right? Oh, my God. Yeah, just like 10 lotteries. And not only that, I mean, you're like 21, right? Yeah, I, I mean, you give me out now, you give me a bottle of whiskey and a performance, I want to nap after. Yeah, I know. Totally. I'm not going to have sex with four groupies. I'm gonna, I, I might cuddle with one. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. So, the band is gelling. The songs for the first two albums are getting written. Their crew's kind of coming together. The audiences are getting bigger. Yeah. The Maiden logo is in place. And, like, there's just a ton of momentum yeah. from Maiden. Uh-oh. This is probably a spot where we should, like, cut it off. Oh, yeah? All right, so it's mid-77. Right, so that's the, up to the first half of 1977. Yeah. 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 Okay. Wilcox is the singer. Yep. The the graphics have come together. That set list yeah. we went through. Yeah. I mean, you know, most yeah. of the first album is there, yeah. thereabouts. Yeah. And a few tracks that kick around on, on uh, Killers and B-Sides and are in the... Um, so the band is well defined. It's come together. It's got a big following. They're getting big. Yeah, yeah. We all know that this is not the final lineup. I mean, spoiler alert. Spoiler alert. Wilcoxon. Yeah. Know. As it and they're like they're pretty yeah. big for the scene that they're in. Yes. They're like it says on their poster, the Rock Kings of the East End. They really were like they were packed. They were, you know, yeah, the band for and, that area. And we've already had an early clip, the earliest clip. That we've ever played, right? Yeah, of Maiden. Yep, and an early Bruce clip, which which is likely this year, but could be the year after. I but either way, it's it's pre Samson yeah. Bruce. It's pre Samson Bruce. Yeah, I yeah. Just so they're all in that area. So it's it's a giant pool of talent because yeah. it's like some of these guys go into other bands. I mean, we talked about all the different bands that loop in when we talked about Paul himself. Yep, uh, Paul Diano, and then we talked about you know Yannick and all these guys that are kicking around the same space. Yeah, I wouldn't mind doing an episode two where we kind of tie some of these bands in. Like, I wouldn't mind yeah. talking about Prang Mantis. I don't know if I want to do a full episode on Prang Mantis, but like, yeah. I do want to get into that, and I really want to get into Urchin and stuff, which we'll get into probably next episode. We yeah. touch on Urchin because they yeah. kind of tie in. Yeah, but there's a lot of people that like went in like this. This scene had a whole bunch of different bands in it. Yeah. And it's kind of cool to kind of see where all these people went and where they ended up and how they contributed. Because they all did contribute. Yeah, and that's the piece when we talk about... Because as soon as... So I I have a different perspective after today. Yeah. Um, When you show that set list. Yeah. Well, it was a list of songs. I don't think that was actually a set list. Oh, well... It's just songs they were playing. Yeah. They're all Maiden songs. Yeah. You have a list of Maiden songs. Yeah. Some of which, you know, didn't go far. Some are the iconic songs. Yeah. Um, and you have the Iron Maiden logo and Steve and, and Dave. You know, you have a pretty 
iconic foundation. The seeds and foundation of Maiden are totally in place here, yeah. Yeah. I, and don't I, forget, like, Dave Lights and, you know. Yeah, Dave Lights and, and uh, our roadie. Vic Villa, uh, yeah. Yeah, Newhouse. Oh, he's not there yet. Oh, I thought he we did feature. No, he comes in in a little while. Okay. There's a big change We mentioned up. him in the last episode, though. He was. I mentioned his book. Oh, you mentioned his yeah. book. Yeah. I thought he'd come around. No, nope, he comes in. I'll just. I'm going to get into it next episode. But no, Vic Vela. Vic Vela. Vic Vela. Yeah. Sorry, Vic Vela's there. And Loopy comes in like, with. Okay. Yeah. With uh, Paldiano because yeah. they're buddies. Yeah. Uh, okay. All right. So it was Vic Vela because yeah. I was like I was remembering the the B side. Yeah, and that's something I want to talk Vic about yeah. in the next. Uh, I guess the next episode yeah. will probably. Yeah. Get through the next chunk of this and tee it up to to me. And we'll tee up the first album. Yeah. But. One thing to really drive home, and I'll I'll probably get into that next episode, is these people they hear of, like Vic Vela, Steve Newhouse, Dave Lights, they were just kind of working with the band, basically for free, out of their own time, just because they loved Maiden. Yeah. And these guys, they were like this team that was like pushing Maiden ahead. Yeah. Like, the lights, and Dave Lights was a huge part of like the Eddie and the stage show and the signs yeah. and the lights, and they like... Part of what made Maiden different from all these other bands that are playing in the same places is they show up and there's like smoke coming over things face. Yeah. You know, the lights and like the bubble machine, smoke machine, and Dave Lights got into like pyro and stuff too. Yeah. So they're really he him and Vic Villa driving them around and doing all the roadie stuff. And when yeah. Steve Newhouse comes in too, they basically just like, you know And they're in good hands. Yeah. So they uh, yeah. just showed up and they Maiden just found these guys. That love the band and they just like worked, worked their ass off. I hope they made a few quid. Well, we'll get into yeah. that later. We'll get into that later. Yeah. All right, cool. But at the time, they just did it for the love of the band. For the love of the band. Yeah. But I really want to put attention on them because yeah. not very many bands have like guys like that. A yeah. team of awesome, like a crew. Yeah. That's basically in the early days working for free. Yeah. Who were we talking about on the podcast where it's like, was it Nirvana who showed up to like, after after Nevermind came out, they showed up to a concert in like a van and it was like a giant stadium. They were like, holy God, we need more. Yeah, they, it, it was Nirvana? when they, were, they started to blow yeah. up and they didn't quite yeah. realize. And they, and they, showed, they up. showed up in one yeah. van yeah. and then they went to like the back of the stadium and like they came out on stage and it was just huge. And they were like, okay, we're way underprepared. Yeah. You know, they didn't have an organization. Whereas these guys are tiny and they're tinkering. Like you couldn't think, figure that type of stuff out. Like they they invested a lot in what you saw, even in because yeah, right the 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 iconic pictures of Paul and the Killers and all that stuff is still a pretty stripped down stage performance. But the idea and the concept was there as a seed from the early days, yeah. and that's grown into what is now like Cirque oh, yeah. du Soleil and Book of Souls <laughs> equivalent, like a lot of stage presence, and yeah. awesomeness. Um, Cirque du Soleil for Yannick, <laughs> but, but 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 the concept of of that investment. That seed starts here. Yeah, with yeah. Dave Light. Yeah, yeah, and that, that's kind of a hit or miss thing. Like there, there are bands that have just been like, we're just going to stand around a mic and we're going to be stripped down. That's our thing. Yeah, you know, or we're going to just look down at the floor with like a flannel jacket, all on those shoegaze, and, and just and hate stuff, being yeah. as you mentioned, which is the early nineties. Yeah, right. You know, but uh, yeah, it's pretty cool when you look back at the the crew that they had back then. Yeah, just, but I'll bring that up. I have some stuff to say about them. Yeah, later when they kind of feature a bit more. Man. But, like, even a band having someone that'll drive them around with the yeah. Vic Villa, they had this thing called the Green Goddess. It was, like, this big truck that they put their equipment in, and then they're, like, lay on top of it yeah. and sleep in the back of it. And having him just 
you know, driving them around. Like, that's a big relief for a band to have a driver. <laughs> you know what I mean? Totally. So. Yeah, and in the next, then in the next episode, I guess we'll get into, or maybe the one after, depending on, you know, um, the Soundhouse tapes in these. Oh, yeah. yeah. So I have a bunch have of these albums of I'm yeah. going to bring in. There's yeah. a bunch of demos of Maiden that came out on these compilations. Yeah. And I have these compilations at home. I'll bring them in. Yeah. I have a copy of the Soundhouse tapes. Yeah. Um, I wonder if I should bring I, yeah. it in here and we should listen to it. You should live. maybe. Well, yeah, I've never. Um, I, I've only I've only listened to Sound of Stays like once or twice. I think yeah. you got the MP3s. and those are MP3s of them. Yeah, yeah, and and I mean to be honest with you, I never. I just kind of like went through them and skipped through them. Yeah. I didn't really pay much attention, and um, you know I, I probably should. Yeah, I will. Maybe I'll bring my yeah. uh, copy of the Soundhouse tapes in and we can put it on and listen to it. Wow, and we can get your live comments because <laughs> they're like, pretty cool versions on there. Yeah, I have a authentic copy of the Sandos tapes and I also have a uh, counterfeit Sandos tapes ooh yeah what's the difference one's in, real like in quality oh I don't know no not at all yeah. yeah I can't really tell the only in the Iron Maiden fan club newsletter they had this big huge step by step process oh yeah on how to identify fake Soundhouse tapes yeah so the one that I have I have one that's real yeah the other one I knew was fake when I bought it, but it was cheap, and I was like, I'll just buy it. Just to have. Yeah, and you bought it from a reputable local guy. Yeah. And you, you went through that on the podcast, the stages you went through. Yeah, I checked all the yeah. one-out groove. And yeah, you shut up with a checklist. Yeah. And he was probably happy with that, because he, oh, yeah. he wasn't going to. So yeah. Yeah. yeah, and he was a huge Maiden fan. So yeah, yeah, and he has a he has another better condition copy, doesn't he? I think he does. Which we're going to break into his house and steal. Deadly. Yeah. Yeah, so that's awesome. So that's part two of the birth of Iron Maiden. The birth. The this birth is, of the beast. The, this is the... The childhood years <laughs> the birth was last one this is a... so this is fun because i've been researching this for like a year now yeah i know it's fun to like take all this out i could tell when we first went through it i really enjoyed it but you were like this person joined in this year and that person joined this now you're like so the font yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so the font that we got i'm sitting over here going oh my god yeah. thank god we did double beer i'd love to sit down at a bar next to someone yeah. and they see my iron maiden shirt and they're like Oh yeah, do you know who the first singer of Iron Maiden was? Paul Diano. And I was like, oh, actually, actually, <laughs> Let me go through, uh... technically, there's a little podcast you yeah. should listen to called Talking Spirit Ribs. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> and they're just deadly. I'm gonna see if. Oh man, is SpiritRibs.com available? I'm just kidding. Imagine that. Talking Spirit Ribs. I wonder if there's an Iron Maiden tribute band called Spare Rib. There could be. Who knows? Um, you would if you could for a hundred dollars. Yeah. By an original stencil of the Iron Maiden font from the David Bowie print, and there was a hundred of them in the world, and it was framed. How much would you pay for it? You would pay a lot of money for it. I don't think I pay a lot of money for that. No, I've seen. If it was no things that are like musically related, an instrument or a something like that, I would pay more for than like something that's not really. And it was a stencil. It was nicely made. Like Steve Harris's. uh, guitar pick that he played on the soundtrack yeah, i pay a lot more for something like that yeah an actual pick no something that's musically related like as a collecting maiden stuff yes i tend to want like vinyls and demos and that kind of stuff yeah get my hands just, on it. you just limit yourself to you know vinyls <laughs> and cds and masks and i don't even and, 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 <laughs> and, and the plastic stuff and, and shirts and clothing and memorabilia i mean obviously and you know <laughs> anything you can find i mean Oh my! Okay, yeah. <laughs> you're right. You're gonna arrange a walking tour of Ma- early Maiden, aren't you? But I don't have that. Oh, you mean the? Uh... You will. 
You will. What do we the, call the, walking the, the maiden? Wor- the, the worst walking maiden. I'll do a Google Maps and I'll put all these pins on a Google Map when we're done. And oh I'll be like, I'll put it up as walking maiden. I'll be like the walking tour and you can just walk and see all. I'll point. This is where Steve Harris's grandmother lived when he wrote the song. Blah, yeah. Blah, blah, blah. Here's, we'll put the lamppost from yeah. the first album that Derek Riggs uses inspiration. Oh, put wow. that in. We'll put, put the carton horses, there. Ruskin arms. Yeah. The, the bridge house. The bridge house. The convent. Yeah. The convent. The place yeah. where, uh, you know, Steve was born, where he went to school. Yeah, put all that stuff in. Oh, why not? Why wouldn't you want to know where he went? All right, let's wrap it up. <laughs> yeah. Oh, my God. But honestly, though, that clip was really cool. Yeah, there's some cool clips. I got some Today cool... I heard the earliest recording of Maiden that we know exists. Yeah, that's true. It was pretty special. Yeah. I got some more clips coming up for next episode. And we, we drank two for Cuban next beers. Week. Yep. Yeah. And we might have clipped in the commercial. We'll see if I can pressure you <laughs> offline. Anyway, if not, YouTube, uh, Buccanero and Crystal Beer ads are hilarious. So if you have any comments. Yes. Uh, go to talkingmaiden.com. Yes, like for example, how much should we charge for a walking tour? <laughs> I will talking, collect the money. Nez will take the tour. I will be in the garden horses. <laughs> talkingmaiden at gmail.com. Yes. Yep. Talkingmaiden.com. You get us on there. Talkingmaiden.com yep. slash talk. Yeah, leave an audio clip. clip. Yeah. yeah I love getting audio clips. Cool. They're cool. They're we cool. get them. Uh, I'll get an alert on my phone. Yeah. And I'll be like, oh, there's a new one. I'll go listen. I get it too. Uh, you get it through the app, eh? I get the email. Yeah. Yeah. But every time I get one, I'm just like, yeah. I'm like, oh, cool, cool. Can't wait. I'll get home. I'm gonna, and I'm like, I'm gonna wait till I get home from work, and then I'm gonna listen to it. Oh my god! I'll be at work, and I'm like, I'm not listening to it here. I'm gonna get home and like relax and listen to it. I just had the best idea ever. Next time I get drunk, I'm just gonna call you, and leave a bunch of messages in there. <laughs> this is the best. Guess what? You got the fonts all wrong. Your fonts suck. You're wrong. It was David Bowie's fonts. It was his cousin's font. Anyway, <laughs> all right. Let's until, wrap it up. Until next time, talkingmaiden.com. Uh, get us there. Up the irons and down the hops.